1: Head to iCanWin.com.au, predict Australia's score with a crystal ball, and it could be you and a friend at the FIFA World Cup Qatar 2022 semi-finals. all thanks to McDonald's. Maccas, together and loving it. TNCs apply.
3: Yeah, what a start. Bit of plush from Stone Temple Pilots. I used to play this song as when I was a player, when I was you know feeling like I needed a pickup. And, uh... It would just blast, mate, going to rugby league, going to training, going to a game, coming home late at night, and I'll just bout out Stone Temple Pilots in the song um, just to get my mood up. And just talking a little bit about mood, I watched Anthony Joshua yesterday in the boxing, watched the fight, felt his pain, listened to him after he grabbed the mic off the the uh, the ref, um, no, no, the, the MC in the middle of the ring, and us had, had his four minutes in the ring and then walking out and watching him go off. And then I thought, man, i got to listen to the post-match um, chat for Anthony Joshua. Mm-hmm. One thing that was really clear is that we saw a man who basically the world had crumbled in and around him. And that strong exterior that we saw Anthony Joshua, we heard that. In our last podcast with Stephen talk about Anthony Joshua the man the mentor the inspiration for kids and so on finally sort of say oh I'm at the I'm at the end of my tether and I just wanted to talk a little bit about that because all last week we went you went down to Hawkes Bay you had your mum there uh, your your second mum there as his mum and your dad there and one of the things that they spoke and was really poignant was you they're just athletes like give them a break. They're just like you and me, and we are putting too much pressure on them. Then we look at Anthony Joshua come on the back of the – at the top of the tree, the top of the mountain. Anthony Joshua fills stadiums with 90,000 people, basically just lose it. Tears start flowing. He's basically he's just gone, man, I don't know where to go. And for me, it sort of got me thinking, what are we really doing with the social media stuff in and around, especially that social media, making sure that we're trying to protect our 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 athletes. Because for me, it's really about the control of messaging getting back out there into the um, public space. Anthony Ooh. Joshua, for instance, is you know he's. I know you keep saying, well, if you, you're going to do this, you have to take the good with the bad. But I think the bad has got really bad. I think mm. I think people now don't understand the type of impact that. These and the pressures these people are under, and for me, Anthony Joshua, is sitting there today after losing to um, Usyk and going. Actually, do I want to carry on? Do I actually yeah. really want to carry on? I'm, I've got so much riding on on me. That is it. Is it good for my mental health? So I just wanted to open that up with you, as he, and talk a little bit about that. You know, is there some solutions moving forward, or are we going to continually see?
2: The <laughs> likes of Anthony
3: Joshua, we saw Tyson Fury. Remember when he he retired? I've had enough. I've, he had yeah. a, he, he, and he openly talks about mental health. Are we seeing a really shift at the top with our our, our athletes and our elite athletes in that mental health space? Going from I'm going to say worse to even like breaking the bad on this on
0: this mental health stuff, especially with social media. The landscapes changed, Kimpie. Like it's the social media has just really enhanced it and just made it easier for, for people to voice their opinion. And, and don't go on that? Like we can all have it. I've been through the situation, probably not at the heights of, of Anthony Joshua filling out ninety thousand uh, people stadiums. And, and he's an individual athlete, so I was a part of a team, so it's totally different. But I've I've been in that situation when you've you felt despair and you're and you have woken up and you feel like you're not good enough. A lot of thoughts and, and things are going through your head. No, you know, what am I? Who am I? Who's Anthony Joshua? We know Anthony Joshua the boxer. But it, people know him as a father, as a brother, as a partner, as a son. You know, like those are the things that people forget, that they are just normal people and they do feel hurt and they do feel the pain, but they do ride the highs as well. Don't get me wrong. And that is what sport does. So for Anthony Joshua after this uh, little family, and. and I was a lot bit like uh, Steven yesterday. Like when you see him, what he was doing post-match and taking away the limelight from Usyk, you probably think like, wow, well, this fella's lost it. What an idiot. And you, and you start point, you know, the arrogance of him, uh, what the ego. But then you dig a little bit deeper and, and you understand that this is a man that's gave it all and he's fell short. And you start questioning, you start questioning, um, you know, who, who am I? What am I? Do those people like me? You're walking down the street and you're looking at people and going, oh, well, he's useless. He got knocked out by Usyk or he lost to Usyk. So those are the things that go through your head. So for Anthony Joshua, I feel like he just – look, I know he hasn't fought many times over the last couple of years, but the one thing that helped me is I I really stepped away from from rugby. And I know he wants to stay busy and stay active, but try and get away from it for like a week, maybe a couple of days, just really get away and reflect – Find what's, what motivates you, what drives you. He's got a family. He's got a um, a mother and a, and a, and a father. Or he's got family members close to him. Go spend time with them. Find out your circle. Bring them tighter together and, and just, yeah, figure out why you do what you do, you know? Like, you can't impress 20 million people, or, you know, or continue to try and impress every single person in the world or all your supporters because that will drain you. And it gets hard, man. It gets hard. You carry the weight. Of the world on your shoulders it's just impossible to carry that on so shrink your circle figure out your why and um and find that love again but mate yeah i've seen that Kempe, and you alluded to it earlier just the mental health and sport which we talk about it every week but are we genuinely invested into it do we genuinely care about these people that give us so much joy and satisfaction it's interesting i don't think we do no
3: and you know like it's a it's a it's a space, I think, that we need to be really conscious of. I remember I went to a conference uh, in Sydney and I met a guy, his name was Matthew Johnston. And Matthew Johnston was a, a uh, he was a, a venture capitalist who worked in New York. He was a high, high earner, like, you know, he had the world at his feet. And he was telling me a story. I, I was sitting next to him on a table at a conference. He was telling me a story. He goes, I was like, oh, you know, you know, I'm Tony Kemp. He goes, oh, I'm Matthew Johnson. I'm from Melbourne. He goes, oh, I was, I went to New York. I was a merchant banker and, and I used to work in the exchange over there and I was making loads and loads of money. And we just got talking like that. And he said, mate, and then I got depressed, you know. Mm. And um, I said, Oh, really? And we were just talking like this. and He goes, Yes, I wrote a book. And he wrote and he wrote the book called The Black Dog. And it's actually a he gave me a book. He was at this thing, and he actually next minute he goes up and stands up and he talks. He was actually the guest speaker, mate. He was just sitting at the table with me. And we struck this really um, great re- great relationship. He gave me the book and he's illustrated this book called The Black Dog. And he basically talks about the black dog and the way that what depression is. And that can either be a massive dog that overtakes you or you can shrink that dog and live with it. And, 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 and it would always be there, but you've got sort of control and the tools to help you keep out of this this black dog space. Well, I never knew it at the time, but I had depression. And I'd read this book. And it sort of started opening up doors for me. And I was going, yeah, man, I feel that way. You know, like, I don't want to go outside some days. I don't want to get out of bed. Um, and then the way that he had illustrated this book, which was really simple, started to talk to me about, man, you've got this You've got this. this black dog that's hanging over you. And what he said to me when I was talking to him was like, mate, we all, we all have the dog. You know, mm. it just depends on how big this is. And I saw that with Anthony Joshua yesterday when he broke down his dog was getting bigger yeah. and he was wondering in himself like i um, you know his his conversation was I'm, I'm letting people down my team is working so hard do you know where I've come from and, and and so on and i think from my point of view what it illustrates is that we have to be really careful in this space of everyone's dog and what it's travelling and where it's travelling to whether it's it's getting bigger or it's getting smaller and not to add to the size of it and one of the things that got me out of it was that what I used to do was stay really busy and my dog wouldn't grow because of my busyness but there was one stage in my life where I lost my, the Warriors coaching job and things weren't going my way and my dog grew and all of a sudden I fell into this depressive state and I, and I had depression I got diagnosed with it and so on um, but I by meeting people like Matthew Johnston and then going to get some help, you can actually work through that. Like you said, take time out, find your space. Mm. You know, find what's really important to it. I gave some advice um, to my son on Sunday. He was talking a little bit about, you know, one of his friends and and this is where they're at. You know, and they're worried that people aren't um, talking to him and and bits and pieces like that. And I said something really simple to him, which which I do. I say he needs to close the circles off, mate you know, the person he needs to worry about is himself. So yeah. he needs to go to work with himself, get exercising, go to the gym, just think about things, doing doing what's good for him, and stop worrying about other people. Because if you take all that away, which is what Anthony Joshua's doing at the moment, it looks like he's worrying about everyone. He can then worry about himself. And I've got this mantra. If you don't look after yourself, you can't look after anybody.
0: Yeah, beautiful, you Kimpy. Know? Great wise words, mate. Honestly, that is so poignant. Like, just looking after yourself and like i'm the same mate i, I suffer and I, I deal with things every single day and everyone just sees the bubbly izzy you know the one that's always smiling but deep down bro these days i don't even want to get out of bed or <laughs> be a part of it but you just got to figure out what's for you and your why and your my why is right here crying next to me my tilly your little my tilly. little darling and i think that's what joshua's gonna do he's gonna go back and and see his family because he'll feel the weight of a nation on his shoulders and he feels like he's letting me run down, but he'll be right. right. Don't tell you, got a bit of a sore head. No, a head. Oh, did he? <laughs> oh, looks like Arlo's got another one of those conversations. Carl. Oh, hello. I'm going to come over there and have a wee conversation with you, mate. All right. All right, that is uh, <laughs> talking at the Joshua uh, Alexander-Usek, and really just talking about the mental health of our athletes. Um, You know... We, we, we athletes go out there, they try and perform, and sometimes they just fall a little bit short. We need to rally behind them and not crucify them. Um, there you go, Anthony Joshua. Good work there, be talking about mental health. <laughs> a boxing masterclass from Usyk led to a win by split decision, leading Joshua to go off on an unexpected speech that lasted over two minutes. Where does this leave heavyweight boxing? What's next for Joshua? We're joined by Stephen Mulhausen of Dazzle Unboxing to answer some of the questions and break down the beauty and the madness. Morning, Michael. Thank you so much for joining us, mate. How was that for a performance?
1: <laughs> nah, thank you guys for having me on. And what time is it out there about you guys?
0: It is 20 to 8 in the morning. So it's morning here, it's probably night time where you are.
1: Ooh, it is the afternoon. We're in almost mid-afternoon. Dude, man, you guys are up bright and early. I like it.
0: <clears throat> we are up early, mate. We're up at 4.30 most mornings to rip into daily sport and all things sport. And, well, on everyone's minds, everyone's, uh, you know, watched on the weekend, Anthony Joshua just really get picked apart by Usyk, who has been called a generational fighter from Anthony Joshua, mate. Honestly, was that a little bit of a clinic that Usyk put on over the weekend?
1: You know, you look at the first nine... You look at the first eight rounds of that fight, and I thought it was a pretty much... It was a back-and-forth forth fight, and it just really mm. depends on really how you view it. I had the fight even after eight rounds and you got in to that ninth round and it seemed like Anthony Joshua was about to finish him, you know, some really good body shots and some really great shots upstairs. He had Usyk hurt, but the Mm -hmm. Usyk's testament, you know, he stayed strong. He stayed composed. He held, he held on. Now I want to say dear life, but he held on, which was, you know, we had him in the clinch, which I thought was a smart move. And then it seemed like, you know, fans are like, oh, Joshua's going to finish him here in the 10th, and and like you guys said, Usyk showed why he is a generational talent. He made the proper adjustment between, between rounds 9 and 10, went out to begin the 10th round, and for the last nine minutes of that fight, three, four, five-punch combinations, going upstairs, even went to the body, used his great footwork, was able to get Joshua tired in the last, I thought, five minutes of the fight and you know which w- was the n- one the last three rounds got the decision remains a three belt heavyweight champion and generate to be great you have to do things like he did in the last three rounds if it wasn't Oleksandr Usyk, anthony joshua stops that guy either in round nine or round 10 and, and today we're talking about anthony joshua being a three-time heavyweight champion. Instead, we're talking about how great Alexander Usyk is because he showed the heart of a champion, and he also showed, "Hey, I'm not just I'm not just here to be a two division champion. I'm here to become a two division undisputed champion." And now he's going to have that chance because it seems like he is going to face Tyson Fury. I know mm. all the talks about Anthony Joshua losing but let's give the proper credit to where it's due. Let's give the proper credit to Alexander Usyk.
3: Yeah, that's dead right. And, and a great summation of the fight. Uh, personally, I don't think he beats Tyson Fury because Tyson Fury is a different boxer than Anthony Joshua. I want to ask you the question, Stephen. How's the he- mental health of Anthony Joshua uh, post this fight?
1: <sighs> I thought the post-fight interview was and I'll admit it, Really caught me off guard. I stopped writing to listen to his four minute speech. And mm-hmm. you could see right in front of our eyes of a someone who showed how bad they really wanted it, how bad and how much they love the sport of boxing. He's getting criticized. And I, and I could see where, if you're on the other side, like, what's he doing? Why is he doing this? But you have to, guys, everyone has to remember, he's in that rarefied air. He's one of the biggest attractions, not just in boxing, but all sports. Regardless of what that sport is, this guy's packing 60, 70, 80, 90,000 people in, in massive stadiums on the regular, came in made his United States debut, sold out Madison Square Garden. You don't do that unless you're a massive superstar, you're a big-time attraction, and you're also a fantastic fighter. He's got a lot of pressure on him, and it all just came out. And it just happened to come out with millions of people watching. Anthony Joshua, and I wrote this a little bit ago, Anthony Joshua's got nothing to be ashamed of. Two times three belt heavyweight champion. 2012 Olympic gold medalist. packing stadium. He's a great ambassador for the sport. He's a great ambassador for children. Everywhere you look at it, if you want to, and I, I do know how, I don't know how you guys are about role models, but I would tell my children, hey, if you want your role model to be a boxer, that would be the guy I would do it for because everything he represents is good for boxing and it's good for sports and he's gonna get his he's gonna get lambasted. Maybe it's right, maybe it's wrong. But you look at the whole picture of Anthony Joshua, he is great for the sport of boxing.
0: He is great. He is great, mate. And just understanding the story and seeing what he's had to endure from a young age, where he's come from, mate, that's inspiring. And he's gonna inspire next generation and and people growing up in the UK that have not much going on in their life to look to Anthony Joshua and get a glimmer of hope. So where does Anthony Joshua go now, Stephen? He's he's lost back-to-back title fights. Where does he go? What's an ideal situation or fight for him to to get back into the ring and and, and maybe get some victories under his belt?
1: That's the million-dollar question here. And, you know, you look at If someone... You're... I don't want to say average fighter, but a little bit of an above average fighter. Two losses in a row, they'd be in trouble. Mm-hmm. You know, people be like, "Oh my god, he's not never... If you look at Anthony Joshua, yes, he's not going to be fighting for a heavyweight title in the not so distant future. We're going to get Fury Usyk. They may even fight twice, just depending on how things play out. So you got to look at the next. I would at least twelve months. I think Anthony Joshua just needs to stay active and I think it's the biggest thing for him. You know, we could, you can't control what happened in the pandemic. Some guys didn't fight at all. He fought once. You know, you look at it was then last year was just a really weird year. He's only fought. He fought once in 2020, once in 2021. And now he's only fought once in 2022. He wants to come back in December, you know, you can go Dillian White. I don't think that is not, I don't think that's the worst possibility in the world. You got, you got Daniel Dubois. Ah, I think that's a good fight. The WPA regular, he was a secondary heavyweight title. I don't think that's a battle of English heavyweights. I don't think that's the worst thing in the world either. You know, what if Deontay Wilder wins on October 15th against Robert Hellenius? Hmm. And this is no disrespect to Tyson Fury and Oleksandr Usyk, but if Anthony Joshua and Deontay Wilder meet in the ring, that's a bigger fight than Tyson Fury and Oleksandr Usyk. No disrespect to either of those two guys. Wow. No disrespect it being for the undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. But if you're putting, if you're squaring those two fights up, people are going to be more in- the the pure boxing fan is going to yeah they're like oh Fury Usyk all day and I get it and I love yeah. that fight that a it, it's a chess match it's for the undisputed heavyweight champion the first ever four belt heavyweight champion but you look at this the history excuse me of Joshua and Wilder and mm. everything and all the political nonsense that went on with that and what led us. We'll the each guy taking the route they took to the different fights into where we're at right now and it's still a bigger fight. You say Wilder, you say Joshua, people gravitate to those guys. That's still a bigger fight than Fury mm-hmm. and Usyk But we're talking next fight. I wouldn't be opposed to a Dillion White rematch. I think that's a I think that's a really, really, really good fight or Daniel Dubois. I don't think he'll fight Wilder soon, but that fight will always be there and I think that it happens in the future. But if I'm Anthony Joshua. I'm Eddie Hearn. I'm looking Dillian Whiteman.
3: Yeah, he's looking. He's looking to get, I guess, the train back on the tracks and get a wind under his belt. That's the main thing, Joshua. If he does come back and and fight, I agree with you that there's so many d- good fights for Joshua if he wants them. You know, Fury's still there. You know, Dylan, you've got you've got uh, Donte Wilder. Um, but talk about Usyk. Let's go back to him. You know, for him to be the out and out champ of the world. Not only does he have to fight Tyson Fury, but you've got Wilder, and you've also got Parker and Joyce fighting as well. And he's got to he's got to beat all those guys to really say that he's the champ of the world. Do you see it that way,
1: Fury? Absolutely, because you look just you look at Tyson Fury, and you get take all the the bravado in his retiring 50 times. It seems like and you can take that and you can throw it out the window when it comes to him being in the ring. Tyson Fury is an exceptional fighter, And I'll tell you in a conversation with some people in boxing today, take, I said, just say, take all that bravado. out. He's he's like Oleksandr. Usyk. He is a generational heavyweight. He's, he's in that rarefied air. And two, I think, I think you would get that fight at least twice, regardless of how that result plays out. And then, I think if Joe Joyce wins against Joseph Parker, I think, which I think Joe Joyce will. I know you, I know where you guys are, at and you guys probably don't want me saying that, but, you know, it, but
0: we but, love your honesty.
1: But I say it. it. <laughs> but and it's taking nothing away from Joseph Parker. I think Joseph Parker, I think can, I think he can beat Joe Joyce coming up on September twenty fourth. Mm. There's, I have no reason. Joe Joyce isn't the world beater we all think he is. He just hasn't faced beyond Daniel Dubois. He hasn't faced that competition like Joseph Parker before, in, before, you know, Andy Ruiz lost to Anthony Joshua. The only guy to beat Andy Ruiz was Joseph Parker. So, you know, you, you really have to, you really have to look at it and Parker's got a legit shot. If Parker beat Joyce, absolutely. Absolutely. You know, there's no reason Joseph Parker shouldn't get another crack at becoming in a chance to become a two time heavyweight champion. So the the heavyweight division is deep. You, and you got Wilder in the picture. You never know Joshua can get back in the picture. You don't mm-hmm. we got Daniel Dufois. What if Robert Helanius beats Beyonce Wilder? You gotta put Robert Hellanius in that category. You got Jared Anderson who I think is a strong heavyweight contender as well. You got Philip Hergovich. You know, I thought he lost to zane you, you got Hergovic out there as well. So there's there's a good crop of contenders. The heavyweight division right now is really cooking. It's in a really good spot. There's a lot of challenges for Oleksandr Usyk if he beats Tyson Fury. I think mm-hmm. Tyson Fury doesn't fight beyond Oleksandr Usyk. I think Fury's got in his mind one or two more fights, even though I still think he should fight AJ. We we can't all get in the mind of Tyson Fury, but at the very most, I'll say Tyson Fury's got three more fights. And it would mm. only be Usyk and it would only be it only be Joshua.
0: So I so where is this Tyson fight?
1: Fury fighting
0: no Stephen, if we do get Fury Usyk, the questions are where and when? Where is the best option for these fighters to fight? Like, no, just Saudi Arabia, but I just didn't feel like it had the The same hype as a Wembley or as a Madison Square Garden. Like, where's the ideal place for this fight to take place and win?
1: I know there's been from talking to people, there's been a lot of talk about Saudi Arabia. They've been want they would want to host that fight in (laughs) December. Um, if it was me, and the reason I say you wouldn't be able to do this fight, if you look at it and if you want to do it within the next 6 months the only two logical choices would be based from what you guys the options you gave me would be Saudi Arabia in Madison Square Garden mm. you, if you do it, want to do that in the UK you have to do that at Wembley or you got to do it at Tottenham stadium you got to do you got to do Principality Stadium in Tottenham England you got to look at it but those are outdoor venues It's the only way that fight could be done in the UK is if you do it at one of those two big stadiums out in the UK. That fight's too big to do it at the O2. It's either Madison Square Garden or it's Saudi Arabia. And that's going to be really, it's going to be up to Bob Arum. And it's going to be up, who co-promotes Tyson Fury. And it's also going to be down to Usyk's team. Alex Krasik and... Egas Clemas and those guys over there, and that's going to be a decision they're going to have to make. The purest Madison Square Garden. Undisputed heavyweight championship of the world. that You know, the world's most famous arena, the home of boxing, where the biggest fights in the history of the sport have taken place. That would, that would just make sense. But as we all know, whether we all like it or not, I'm, it is irrelevant. But in this day of age and sports, money talks and Saudi Arabia does have a lot of money. So (laughs) I think it's one of those two options. If it's within the next six months, I say there, if it can get pushed back to late April, sometime in May, I think the UK has a shot. So it's just all about timing. If it's within the next six months, Saudi Arabia or Madison Square Garden, if you can somehow get it to April, then
0: I think the UK should die from our Beautiful. Sooner rather than later, later Fury taking on Usyk to, wow, just unify the whole division and get it all going. Whoever takes that out, well, will go down as one of the greatest. Anyway, Stephen Muehausen of Design Boxing talking all things Usyk. Joshua, Joshua Wilder is a realistic option going forward. We appreciate you coming on the show, mate, and sharing your insights or what unfolded over the weekend, thank you so much, and go Joseph Parker,
1: yes, sir. Thank you guys so much, and go Joseph Parker. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Welcome back, Izzy and Kempi for Breakfast Podcast Edition. The cricket's happening right now, we'll keep you up to date. The black caps taking on the West Indies, but right now, you got Kempi and myself, we're going to rip into some black ferns because, well, they put on a performance over the weekend 52. Five over the Wallaroos. Wayne Smith, being Wayne Smith, his comments, post it. Not, not good enough. Not good hmm. enough. Got to be better. Things we can work on. Just typical Smithy fashion, keeping everyone on edge. But no, for me and and for four thousand fans that were there at Orange Series Stadium, Stadium watching the girls go out there and uh, put on a performance. I'm extremely proud. You, Kimpy, you watched it live. What were your initial reactions, initial thoughts to that performance, mate?
3: Oh, look, I thought their energy was absolutely superb. One of the one of the real noticeable parts of Wayne Smith's uh, coaching was to to get them into position early. You know, yeah. so make your tackle, get back into your position early. Don't don't lob back into your positions. And I was watching them as though, especially when they were defending, like they'd make tackles, go into rucks, and then they'd just split really quickly to get in get into their spots. Um, and I could see the little, uh, I, I guess, the little changes that Wayne Smith was talking about post game. Because although they are very good at fifty points, getting fifty points past the Wallaroos, there were parts the fundamentals of their game which were letting them down. You know, underneath the high ball, the, the fullback. I think she dropped the first three. The, the changing height of a pass, I don't know if, if in rugby union they teach you that, but in rugby league we teach people to change the heights of their pass. So when you're carrying the football, sort of carry it above your hips. But when you're going into pass... Um, the ball to supporting players because generally players put their hands in front of the ball, move your hands up and, and lob passes at different heights oh, yeah. and on a number of occasions they just went through the motion of passing in that, that 6 o'clock movement, you know what I mean? So just from one side to the other and the ball kept getting knocked down and I was thinking, change the height of your pass, you know, like you've, you guys have got them on the outside all the time. So although they got 50 passing, one, man, I, could, I thought they could have easily had 70 that's how mm. that's how dominating they were i thought um kendra was really good around the rucks she, she's she's yeah. so quick to get to that that ball and set the set the the side of light um and i thought that the, their ruck was really really especially um solid you know it allowed it allowed uh, DeMont to get it out move them move them move that aussie um ruck away from where the the they were attacking and and in the end, they're just the, the pure amount of possession and the way that they were they were hitting lines, they 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 scored some really good tries. So, I look, I think where we're headed from from them heading into the World Cup, I think it's you know if you get Wayne Smith, you have got to go. Yep, that was really solid, but yep. there is I can see where he's talking about improvements. The improvements aren't massive; they're just those fundamental skills that let them down on
0: occasions. Yeah, nice, no, I, I Look, I just um. Yeah, like if I'm from the outset, you see you see Kendra leading the Haka for the first time and uh, that special moment for her and her family, just looking at her social media and the outpour of support for her. Like, that was an awesome start. And then you get to see little bits of the game that they're trying to instill. The playing tempo, like you've said, players get into position. One thing you'll notice with Wayne Smith, and he'll, they'll have a review today, no doubt they'll have a review and they'll go in and there will be some parts of their game where they haven't got it right, and you just spoke about everyone getting into position and getting into the right parts of the field so they can make a difference. Then they can make the opposition defence can make uh, consider you a threat. One thing he'll do today, if you haven't done that or you're a little bit slow off the ground, and they call them logs lying on the ground, he'll, put the, he'll put, point that out and he'll like hold people accountable which sets the precedence for the week and just keeps everyone on the on the front of their seats. So he's really good at creating that. One thing I want to ask you, be and you watched it live, what was the, the set piece like? Because we've spoken about the France, the Englands. They are big. They are big girls. They are big wahine's, and they are very strong. So we're trying to play a style of rugby that separates that. So we want to play tempo, we want to keep the ball alive, we want to keep the ball in play and keep these big teams running around. But also, the other side of that, we've got, to, we've got to match the set piece. So our scrum, our line-out, what was your thoughts on that, mate? Were, they, were there improvements?
3: Yeah, look, there were. I thought they were really solid. Uh, and I did. I had that in my mind. You know, when you come up against the, the French and the English, you're going to have to be real solid in that uh, department to make sure that you can get that clean ball for Kendra, uh, Kendra to move, move her, her outsides on, you know. So... I think he really worked hard on that. They 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 their scrum was solid. They set really well. The lineouts, I thought there were there was um, some good cohesion at lineout time, um, and there was definitely this willingness to want to always shift the ball and attack. You know, at speed, Ruby Tui, mate, was outstanding on that right wing. Like she, she put one tackle on there in in the game. I was like, oh my god. Like a winger coming to do that was was really impressive, but she had this real high energy out wide, and it sort of it was the transference of that energy from the Ford pack to Kendra to as far as that right winger was across the board, and that and it showed me that Wayne Smith wanted to play a more expensive game and shift. You know, when you, he's obviously going to come up against England and France and want to have to play like that to give them any chance of of um, of winning the game. But yeah, in and around the, their big front row, I thought their big front row was solid. They were, you know, they had a job to do. I thought they did that. They were also trying things, you know, they didn't mind tipping the ball onto each other. They're trying a little bit of skill, which you don't really see in the women's game. Um, but their line out, I thought their line out is probably where they're going to need to, I guess if there's an area where they need to work on against the French in the England, it's that line out ruck and more. You know, getting yep. the ball, getting solid in there. There's a couple of times they were going, they wanted to go, and they just demolished the Australian forward pack, but they wanted to go um, forward and they couldn't really adjust properly, I was thinking. And against the bigger front row, uh, the bigger forward packs of the English and the French, mate, if you don't get it right from the first catch, you know, and then that, that going into that um, formation they'll roll over the top here you. you're not gonna you're not gonna have a chance to re- reset again like they were doing on the weekend but uh, all in all I thought a good e- effort from the Ford pack they they the the Kendris, the Hucker at the beginning I thought that was a really nice touch you know her last game at uh at the at the ground where she plays leading the Hucker uh she did a really good job I was really impressed with that and then got out I, look I, she was for me was a standout I thought she was really good the whole game
0: Oh man, she would have been nerve wrecking because I was. There's a situation in the ABs where essentially I was going to have to lead because some of the players that were traditionally always leading the haka weren't available, weren't playing, mate. And I I imagine like trying to lead Kamate or Kapo or Pango, I'm focusing on that all week, all week, getting the actions (laughs) right, getting the words right, you know, Uh, pronouncing everything properly. And my focus on that, and I was thinking, I can't do this, mate. I've got to focus on my game because I can't I can't do too many things at once. So I can only imagine how nervous Kendra would have been. But man, she would have done her fano and everyone extremely proud. So well done, Kendra. And Ruby Tui, Kimpi, man, I've been impressed like yourself. Going from sevens, where she played all of her rugby, to giving 10 uh 15s a crack. Oh, mate, she's so good. I watch her in a couple of games for counties. Man, she's vocal. She's loud. She brings all the good energy, the good vibes, which Ruby always does. And, um, nah, she's getting better and better every week. And another girl who I think is going to be a genuine superstar if she goes to the World Cup is Amy DuPacy mm. at fullback, ah, at centre. Yeah. At center, mate, you watch her. She glides. She's quick, defensively really, really solid. But she's fit, mate. She's fit. She works mm. really hard. She's got work rate. Um, so keep an eye on Amy Duplassie. Get the job done, but they heading over to Adelaide to take in on the Wallaroos in Adelaide for the second test of the Laurie O'Reilly, and uh no doubt they'll be back home and they'll be better for it. The Wallaroos, but yep, Wayne Smith, being Wayne Smith, never ever good enough or never happy. No, they were, they were all there. You know, you had uh, teared up in the grandstand.
3: You no, know, with his uh, with his coat on and his and his coffee, watching the game and. Wayne Smith in the box with his his little team there, no, no smiles, just taking it all down. And and that's what it's all about when you're coaching into into the World Cup. It's about where can I make the improvement in the next test? Where can I make the improvement in the following test and get these girls ready? Duplessis, she had a good game, mate. The fullback, mm. she was like the fullback for me, is, un, is uncharted waters. The young girl that played there, I was looking at her going, man, you're a superstar, you just don't know it, you know? Mm. Um, she would make an error and just pick the ball up and go right now. Try and tackle me, and just want the ball in her hands all the time. And I'm going, okay. Well, now now you need to move her into a position where she can get the ball with some space, because she's just going to create havoc every time she touched it, touches the football. So now they got some talent. Demont was the captain um, in the ten jersey. She was outstanding. Um, as was her co-captain in the, in the flanking jersey, she got around the pitch all game, and 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 uh, Nathan Wong too. When she came on at halfback, and she added a little bit more spark, Bella. you know. So she and she's tough, mate. You know, like in sevens, you don't really see how tough she was. She actually got she got a bit of a knock and had to go off and have a bit of a, a break for a head knock, and came straight back on and just. Got straight back into it, and I like that about um, you know those girls when they when they get it must be tough man getting hurt, you know someone her size getting ripped around in that ruck so now nah, well done to the Black Ferns and and uh, Wayne Smith and Ted I think that that was a good
0: start to their campaign yeah great start yeah that's uh, Tyler Nathan well man you watch her when she's plays seven it's always got a cut eye or blood and she's had to wrap yeah. her face up mate she's <laughs> tough as tough as they come Charmaine McMillan she is her first time back in the camp after. A little break, getting her body right, so good to see her back. But That was Renee Holmes, Renee Holmes, and I actually bumped into Wayne Smith on the plane and had a chat to him. He says, mate, I've got a good one. got a good one. Do you want to do some mentoring? I was like, oh, who's that? Renee Holmes. Is that the fullback? Yes, fullback. Mate, yeah.
3: do it. Do it, is it? Yeah. She, honestly, if he's oh, – like, I picked that out straight away. I was like, man, she's superstar, you know? Mm. So, yeah, he's dead right. He's got one.
0: Well, I'll, I'll, I'll keep – I'll keep close to that phone. I haven't got a call yet. It was only Dan Carter and Richard McCall last week. Only the big goal. So <laughs> You'll I'll get just keep waiting in line, keep being, see if I get the call up. But no, that was our uh, Blackburns-Wallaroos chat. They won 52-5 over the weekend. They're heading to Adelaide to take them on in the second test of the L'Oreal. All
3: right. Uh, well, Louis taking the day off, and there's no secret why, after losing their first two games of the season – my team, Taranaki, got up over Izzy's favourites, Canterbury at Pukekura Park. Their win was a thing of beauty as Stephen put a fit to start from the back while the Fords did the hard yards up front. You know that is? There'll be some sore bodies this morning, but I bet Head Coach Neil Barnes will be feeling good after his boys stood up and did Taranaki proud. He's with us now to rub the win in Louis's face. I'm going to say, Izzy, Louis's face, not yours. Morning, Barnesy, How are you, mate?
2: Hey, yeah, good morning. I'm not too bad. Obviously feeling a little bit better after getting four points
3: on the board. Mate, what a turnaround. you know, it's funny, a week eight. What what do you what do you put it down to the win?
2: Um, look at the end of the day, we've been battling big time with a whole heap of injuries and our backs were against war, having two losses in a row and we weren't too proud of ourselves um getting whopped by Bay Plenty like we did, so I guess it was just a reaction that needed to happen to earn a bit of respect back.
0: Mate, it was a hell of a turnaround, Barnsley. Yeah, I, I said it during the week. I said uh, bad plenty performance. Um, defensively, just leaking a few too easy easy points. And I thought this week with Canterbury, probably the team, the form team, heading up to to hit, take you on in your, in your backyard. I thought it would be a difficult task for yourself. But, mate, turnaround. And obviously, you had a lot to play for. You had uh, Ricky Riccatelli playing his 50th game. Stephen Perifetta, obviously his influence coming back into the fold. Mate, how, how was it? Having him back yeah. in the team and, and just having a lot to play for this week.
2: Yeah, it's obviously good having Stevie back. Uh, like, I honestly think he's has class, um, class and he deserves a spot in the all Blacks. so let's hope he stays there. And Rook's getting his 50th. That's hard-earned, like he's done a lot of years for Taranaki, um, working hard on those forwards. Um, but at the end of the day, it was a whole team thing. Um, like mm-hmm. I said, to start with a lot of injuries, and it's hard to be cohesive when you've got a lot of new people coming in all the time. And our defence against Bayer Plenty just got leaky because we weren't all on the same page. So we had a pretty tough week work-wise. Um, we addressed it, and I like to think um, when they came out, they all knew exactly what they were up to, and it showed because um, we put a lot of pressure on them with our line speed and how physical we were.
3: I tell you what, one guy who celebrated well's Doc Van Prague, I think he's still he's still got a headache today, Barnsey. Um, another White a boy, Daniel Rona, begged to try to keep off an impressive performance. You know, his father Cody Rona is his grandfather, Bull Ryan, played uh, rugby league for the White of Bears. So, mate, yeah, you're happy with his form, Daniel's form?
2: Yeah, and like he's just come back too. So, he, he had a head knock, um, and our first encounter was a friendly fire one. But, like, yeah, he's, he's certainly an up and comer. Um, he's got great breeding behind him. But the best thing I like about him is how hard he's worked um, to get to where he is now. Um, so he's been on tools and you know what it's, what it's like to get up very early in the morning to get your bloody gym and stuff done before you go to work and then do training again at the end of the day so he comes from bloody good background um, and like I say he's worked hard and now he's reaping the rewards for that
0: Mate, when you take on Canterbury the way you beat Canterbury particularly uh, down here the southerners they work extremely hard in the, in the front row and the forward pack so this week you had to really inspire your forward pack Jared Hawata taking over the the role of coaching, mate. How what what was his week like last week, and you know the things that he yeah. tried to instill into the squad. How's he going, mate? How's his transition into the coaching realm? No,
2: nah, he's been first class. Um, when I first came down to help out down here, I watched him working with the academy boys. Um, despite what people think on the outside, like obviously he played pretty tough at boy, but he actually cares about his players. Um, he he knows the technical side of the game, and he's actually a very good teacher. So. Having someone with all those skill sets, along with a bit of edge about him, transfers to your boys. So he's done an awesome job of our forwards, and I got a lot of time for him. I think um, he could go to higher honours.
3: Hey, what about Pukekura Park, Barnsley? Is that like your home for the rest of the year? What's What's the go with the, the the games? Are you taking them around the province, or are you just playing all your home games there at Pukekura Park?
2: Um, well, I think the cricket boys would be happy to say that's our last game at Park. Um, it's obviously an awesome place to play sport because everyone's so close to you, but that ground is not designed um, for a whole heap of rain and a heap of rugby players running around on with rugby boots um, so I feel sorry for the groundsman uh, but we're actually back at Yarrow's in two weeks um, the ground there is looking magnificent so I'm really looking forward to our spiritual home at Yarrow's and so getting back there is going to be awesome so that's our last at Pumkura Park and back at home in two weeks.
0: Yeah, back at home, you're staying, man, off. have had some battles there, some doozies, mate. But this week, you take on ta- uh, Waikato, you're back into it. How do you ensure that that, that complacency doesn't really seek in, yeah, mate? What's the what's the messaging this week?
2: Well, two, two things in there. Um, Waikato's in two weeks, so we've got to go down to Wellington on Sunday this oh, week. Sorry. um it, Down it, there. No, it's not a big deal. Um, and, yeah, they're coming off the back of a loss to Northland, so... They'll be getting it from their coaches this week and I'm sure, their own self-respect, they'll be standing up. So it's like big brother, little brother when we play Wellington. It's going to be another doozy. Um, But in the second party question, there definitely won't be any complacency from our side of things. We know what we've got to do to get ourselves in the playoffs and we've just got to keep winning. Um, So, yeah, it'll be hard fought. Um, Yeah, and we get that one under our belt and we'll come home to play Waikato here. It'll be another good, um, good occasion for people to watch.
3: Yeah, Barnsley, hey, um, been great talking to you this morning and, and uh, also on the back of a fantastic win there at Pukekoota Park for all of our Taranaki whānau. Uh But just before I let you go, mate, what are you What are you feeling, how are you feeling going into the rest of the season? Like you had a great year last year, you've dropped 2 so far. Are you feeling confident that Taranaki's going to be there at the end of the year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. Like We've got more boys coming back on deck. Like we started this season without the bulk of our back line from last year as well as missing four of our tight forwards. So we get get a few more of our backs back next week, a bit of our strike power. And if the rain stops and we get a dry surface, we'll be able to play the same style of game we were last year and put teams under pressure.
0: I'm not surprised they have bounced back. I've heard a few stories about Barnes. He can get pretty fired up. So uh, no doubt the boys will be on edge, mate, and they'll be ready to perform for you in Taranaki, Wellington taking on Wellington and then back home against Waikato. Appreciate you coming on, Barnsie. Get back out All to right, those cows and uh, give me a few tips later on, mate, when we catch <laughs> up. Appreciate it.
2: <laughs> Good news, <laughs> fellows.
0: Awesome. Here is Neil Barnes, head coach of the Taranaki side. They got the job done against Canterbury and they're taking on Wellington this weekend, 2.05 on Sunday, 28th of August. <laughs>